Let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs 14. It's been a few weeks because of the different situations and breaks, and well, I know we had a wonderful time with family over the holidays, and uh, in our house we had 24 people uh, that were sleeping with grandchildren on top of one another, fighting, arguing, and then within two hours of Julie leaving, Dave's children were saying how much they missed the grandkids that they were just fighting with. So it was just, uh, it was interesting to see. And I hope you had a wonderful time with your families as well. But we now come back to our study in Proverbs. We haven't got much more in what we'll be studying here uh, or in Titus on Sunday mornings. Um, and uh, we'll give you an update on where we'll be going Sunday evening soon. There will be three weeks from tonight, in case you're have forgotten that. It's been in the bulletin a few times, but three weeks from tonight we'll be just having a sit down and really leaning toward the multi-purpose room, sitting down and uh, talking about the ministry and uh, affording you opportunities for questions and and uh, just to talk about uh, where the Lord uh, might be leading us. So we look forward to that. But Proverbs, for tonight, Proverbs 14, verse 23, which you've seen this verse before. But let me read it. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the word of God. Thank you for the opportunity and safety in coming here tonight. We do pray for Camille as he goes out and uh, visits while Hibber's here and searches out the area for not only places to live, but to see what you will or be doing through that new employment situation and we pray for wisdom for him we pray that you continue to use him and his family mightily and we pray father for ourselves as we go into this new year again that you would help us to be a people as we saw this morning zealous for good works used by you so that our light will shine among all those that we come in contact with and we thank you and praise you that christ is building his church we thank you and praise you that you've designed for us to be in the labor field to be working and uh, thank you for the jobs that you provide for us we know sometimes there's people out of employment and we pray that you would provide for them and thank you for your faithfulness and so as we look into the word of god we pray for your guidance once again this evening we pray this in jesus name amen again we're talking about marketplace wisdom and as i mentioned before this is the last area of our study in proverbs for topical study and when I use marketplace, as I said last time, we're not talking about going to Demoulas and uh, or any of those stores. Uh, what we're talking about is jobs. We're talking about responsibilities. We're talking about children at home, as we saw last time. But we're, we're centering in on the workplace. And understand, even as we go through these areas, uh, as time goes by, people are at different levels. There's people that are in retirement. There's people that are out of work at the time. And so this isn't designed to put anyone on guilt trips or to put in a situation if they're in retirement. It is certainly to deal with what the scriptures say about the workplace and how we are to view it and uh, what we are to do. What we did learn, and I just want to go over the four quick points that we learned and spent time on already, and then we'll pick it up right away. We did learn that, first of all, God expects us to work. That is an expectation. We were created that way. And if you even think of the Ten Commandments, if you get there uh, in your reading, you find out that God said man will work. 
six days, and then he is to rest on the seventh. And we see uh, that clearly instructed. But God does expect us to work. God does not expect us to live off uh, of the system. And it's really sad, the state uh, where the United States of America is, and uh, just it's a little side trip, but a very quick one. You know, for example, the welfare system, that uh, has a good design to help those that are really in need, but I do think our country has abused it tremendously. And uh, uh, for example, there are two, and I think we're probably as far as having a conversation with somebody recently, we're probably three generations deep now where families have been living off of welfare. That is wrong. That is not the design. God's design, go out and get a job. And uh, for those that are out of work and have that need, and uh, the same thing with unemployment, even in that. There's a place for unemployment benefits. But I think our country's hurting ourselves when it keeps extending, extending, extending. The design is that it should be a temporary thing to get people back into the workforce. So we are designed by God. We're expected to work. Secondly, we saw that God set the example. God is a worker. We saw it in creation. We saw it in a couple of other aspects. God himself is a worker, and he set the example. He didn't just design man to work, but he set the example. And thirdly, we saw that it was instituted before the curse. So contrary to the way we might think, we might think the, that work, that the concept of labor is contrary to uh, just being perfect when that perfect environment was there, and when sin came, then along came work. Not so. God put man in the garden to till the garden before the fall ever took place. And right from the design of God, we see that he instituted work before the curse. And then the fourth one is what we ended on last time, and I could expand that uh, a lot more, but I think it's sufficient as I look back on my notes and the things I still would like to cover with you in this area. And that is it should start with childhood. That's what we got into last time, in case you forget. We were into childhood and how we ought to teach our children responsibility. And we are to develop a good worth, work ethic with them at home, in school, and in their employment so that as they do go out from us, and that is God's design, all of our children by God's design are to leave us. And they are to go out into the workforce. And they are eventually to get married. And uh, though there are situations for singleness and uh, that nature, but by design, that's usually what happens. And we should be developing that work ethic in them now. So having covered those four points, we come on to the fifth point tonight. We move ahead. What is another thing that the scriptures teach us in Proverbs and then elsewhere regarding work, regarding labor, regarding the workforce? The next one that I would give you tonight, we have it, is work is profitable. Now that seems pretty self-evident, but it's true. And that's what you've got right here in verse 23. It says very clearly uh, in verse 23, in all labor there is profit, there is benefits. And that should be obvious to us, but it is true and something we need to understand. There's tremendous benefit in working. And uh, we're not dealing with slothfulness or anything like that. We will eventually get to that one. But what do you mean profitable and what do you mean beneficial? To who? First of all, it is beneficial to us as a person. It is very beneficial to go out and work. In what way do we profit from it? Well, I jotted down a couple of thoughts that would 
share with you. First of all, in the immediate context, if you go a little bit further, verse 4, 24, excuse me, it says, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the folly of fools is foolishness. And right in the context, after talking about in all labor this prophet, you see the crown of the wise is their riches. And that is one of the benefits. What? Wealth. Part of the benefit that we receive, there is nothing wrong with wealth. Sometimes as Christians, we get that understanding and we're afraid of wealth. There is nothing wrong. If there are millionaires or billionaires that are Christian, praise the Lord for that. And others don't have that benefit. But whatever the situation might be, that's up to God to bless in that way. There's nothing wrong. It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil that the New Testament teaches, not money in and of itself. And one of the benefits to us is wealth. It is the opportunity to gain financially in this world. A second thing that I would give you, just by way of a couple of practical things, and we'll look at another verse, is that it helps us to feel useful. You talk to somebody who's out of work, and you'll find if they're out of work for a long period of time, what happens is they begin to feel like they're not useful anymore. Uh, that's one of the sometimes, uh, not always, but sometimes what can happen. I talk to a number of people in retirement. Some people really enjoy it. Other people are bored silly with it and feel useless. And one of the benefits that we have personally is that when we are involved in labor, it is profitable because it helps us have a sense of being useful. So listen to that, young folks. That will give you a real sense of really being useful. It gives you a sense of accomplishment when you've achieved something. That is really one of the benefits primarily of somebody that works with their hands, particularly. When it's uh, someone that has a desk job, and I've had a number of those situations, and, and even now, it's, it's study. Sometimes you don't see it. it it's, it's, there's a lot of mental things that go into it, and there's a lot of hard labor behind the scenes, but you don't always see the benefit. When somebody works with their hands, and there's a product there, or somebody produces a, a piece of music, it's pretty evident and obvious. Uh, but whether you see it or not, there is a sense of accomplishment. It also benefits us physically, in that it keeps us busy. It keeps us physically moving. Doesn't matter whether it's to get up in the morning and, and to go off to work and, and to have to walk upstairs or elevators or whatever it is, or if you're involved in something physical, it benefits us that way physically. It also benefits us with responsibility, as I just uh, mentioned again. There is a responsibility, and that's one of the benefits that happens as soon as uh, young folks get out of high school. I've mentioned this one already. But what happens, all of a sudden, they go off to college, and there's no one telling them to get up for breakfast. Breakfast is available. Classes are available. You don't get to class, you have a problem. You don't get to breakfast, you don't eat. And, and on and on it goes. It teaches your responsibility with the job. You have to get up. It's very interesting. Um, even here, uh, with you folks the last uh, week, uh, I'm sure, you had the situation where it snowed. Now, I'm not talking about anyone that took vacation time or something like that. Uh, but I remember when I was in accounting, it was the same way. It might snow and the kids, yay, fine, no work and whatever. Guess what? Dad's still got to get out into the snow. He has a responsibility to get to work. And sometimes there's leniency in that they might allow them to get in later. But you just can't get up in the morning and say, oh, it's snowing out. There's four feet, uh, three feet of snow. I can't get to work. Not unless the place closes down. So it's teaching you responsibility and, and how you ought to be even looking at things, even from a Christian perspective. Sometimes 
Christians and in Christian jobs, they don't view it that way anymore. Their responsibility is gone. They just automatically expect that things are going to happen. But it does teach us responsibility. The other thing, it uh, keeps us alert mentally working. It keeps us uh, involved. That's another benefit we get. Um, it keeps us from being bored. Even sometimes during vacations. Isn't that true? Um, right now, there's been a, a break, and people, kids are getting ready to go back to school, and some of them probably want to keep it longer. But you get bored after a while. There's only so many board games you can play. I'm not talking, I went from B-O-R-E, uh, no, B-O-R-D, to, you know, the board games that you're playing. Uh, I spelt it wrong again. But um, uh, no, I'm talking about, you know, one, one aspect is just being bored. You, you play board games, you watch television, you go out skiing. I don't care what you do, but after a period of time, it, it wears on you. And uh, having a responsibility to work, that benefits us. Uh, again, from being idle. And I believe that's one of the weapons of Satan. When, our, when we're idle, our mind gets idle, and it's very easily to go down a pathway of sin. But a job, we don't think of it that way, but a job benefits us that way as well. Right in chapter 12. So first of all, we're saying that it's profitable to us. In chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 14, just one more uh, in the book of Proverbs. It says, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruits of his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. See, that's a personal benefit. It'll return. You, you labor and, and you get, the, it might be by finances. It might be in other ways. But the principle is there again in verse 14 that uh, what happens very clearly is by the deeds of a man's hands and how he works, there will be return and benefit from that. So it's profitability to us. Secondly, obviously, there is profitability to our families in working. Profitability in our families. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. You're there. And uh, uh, go to verse 11. In verse 11, it says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. That's kind of interesting, as it even says that. You got nothing going on in your heart, you're not thinking. You're not very bright. Uh, the lights aren't all on when you're, if you will, uh, not willing to work. But there you see in verse 11, you till your land, there's plenty of bread. Who benefits from that? Your family does. It provides for the necessities. That's why we need to work. Uh, why does your dad and your mom, uh, mom and dad, or in some cases mom because dad's not around, in some cases just dad in the situation, but why are they working? To provide the very things that you and I take for granted. That's why my parents worked. The things that I expected to have of bed and food and, and shelter and, and other provisions and the ability to go on vacation and the ability to have things. And, uh, and of course, the younger generation is always going to hear from the older generation. Now, in my day, we had to do this. By the way, you young people, when the day comes, if the Lord tarries that you're older, you'll be telling your children the same thing. We didn't have those benefits. We only had computers. Well, we didn't have that when I was younger, but the idea is it provides. It also sets examples. And I'll look at a couple other verses in a moment. It sets an example. The, the family benefits in that when the parents are working, it sets an example for the children. We ought to be an example to them, not just in telling them go out and get a job, it's pretty hard to go to say to your children, go out and get a job, and you're not working or making any effort to work. 
are living off the government. No wonder they want to do that as well. And so what you need to do is you set an example. You show them the importance of values, of how important it is to work. And there's so many ways to do that, even with your children, where your family is benefiting. You know, you all have had situations, a little different today, but maybe it was a lemonade stand, or, or I know with some of our children, they would they, I gotta share this one, I probably, I might have done it once or twice, it just came into my mind, but if I did, forgive me. But one of them that I will never forget, was uh, when the kids made it, they were talking, we were talking, and was, you need to earn some money. And as a couple of my children and a couple of my grandchildren, what they did was start coloring. And you say, well, how are they gonna earn money? They went out on the street and they said, how about if we go sell those? So I said, sure. They went outside for 50 cents, they were selling the drawings. Until, uh, and they were, and people were stopping by. And they were buying them and they were learning a little bit until Trevor got a hold of an idea. And I can say that because he's not here. Uh, but my, my uh, and he got a hold of an idea and he came in and said, hey, Grampy, how about if we charge the wealthy people $5? And so, I mean, already the business mind was there. And, and my point was, though, again, how important it is to set an example and teach them the importance. Don't just keep giving them things. That's not going to help your children. Make them earn it. I know today it's very common for laptops. It's very common for cell phones. It's very, make them earn it. Make them pay for things. Don't just hand it to them. And so there's a big principle there that benefits the family. It shows them how to value things. It shows them roles in the family and how people need to help out and how we need to be responsible for different things. I said Proverbs 12, 11. Go to Proverbs 13, verse 4. Proverbs 13, verse 4. And I will deal with the sluggard in more detail or the lazy person. Uh, but that won't be tonight. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. The soul of the diligent is made fat. Now, this isn't to uh, deal with the, the, the diets or anything like that. That's not what we're talking about here. But it is the idea of being provided for and, and seeing if you're diligent and you work hard is the benefit for you and your family. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. In verse 19, he who tills his own land again will have plenty of food, right? He will have plenty of food, it says there very clearly. And um, he says, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. So plenty of food is not just for you, it's for your whole family. I'd like you to go to a New Testament passage on this one. We'll look at a couple of New Testament, but just one on this one. Go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, just to show you these principles, as we have tried to do in Proverbs, are found in Proverbs, but they're also further explained in our New Testament as well. And in 2 Thessalonians, I'm still in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. For even, Paul says, when we were with you, what does he say? We used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, he is not to eat either. For we hear that there are some among you leading an undisciplined life. An undisciplined life is associated with not working. Doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. And there's the idleness in the mind there that we will get into when we talk about slothfulness because Proverbs talks an awful lot about the slothful person. They always want things and they never get them because they're not willing really to work. 
And, and what happens is those are the people that are busybodies. They're going to go right down with idleness down the path of sin. And he laid the principle out, and he said, look, you don't work. You don't eat. Get out and work. It's a principle. So the family benefits as well. Thirdly, another area of profitability. Not only do we benefit, not only do our, our families benefit, obviously, from it, but society itself benefits. Go back to Proverbs. Go to chapter 22. Proverbs 22. And look at verse 29. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. God has gifted people in many different ways, and those skills are to be used to work. And the skill in this particular case, his work, he's going to be before kings. Why? Because it's recognized his ability. And that will happen. That's where promotions come in. That's where sometimes companies see somebody and then they want that person to work for them because they see that not only is it going to benefit their family, and that's where raises come in, and then their family benefits from it, but the company wants to benefit from the talents and abilities of the individual. And so society itself will benefit it. And, and to give you some practical examples, I think, inventions, all of society, every, most everyone here tonight has probably benefited from the person that was willing to design and work on a car. We've all benefited. And that was a result of labor. It was a result of using intelligence. It was a result of being used of God. And the person became very wealthy. I mean, if you talk about Ford, or whatever line you want to go down. And other, the families benefited from it as well. And uh, even in our society, when you talk about technology, you all know that. Uh, Jobs, who uh, no longer is alive, uh, or Bill Gates and so forth, those abilities to be used, we've all benefited from them. And so work also is profitable to society. Uh, advancements in medicine, you and I, everyone in this room has benefited from that. There are things that people died from years ago that now we have the benefit of medicine because people were diligent in their work. And it not only benefited them and their families, but right into society. Uh, and, and on it goes. And God has gifted people in many areas and wants us to use our talents that way. Go back to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy and Genesis for just a moment here. But go, go to Deuteronomy first. Deuteronomy chapter 24. And if you want a New Testament, this time I went to the Old Testament. But the book of Ephesians is another example, and in chapter 4, because in Ephesians 4, it basically says, even with a thief, don't be a thief anymore, but go out and work and provide not only for you, but for others, so that others can benefit by your ability. Well, in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, chapter 24, and I believe I want verse 19, 19, it says, when you reap your harvest in your field, and have forgotten uh, a sheaf in the field, you are not to go back and get it. There's not greediness here. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you, watch this, in all your work, the work of your hands. And so it's very clear. Even in the fields, they were to leave grain there so that those who did not have 
could benefit from it. And there is the, the situation, there are. There will always be poor people with us. There will always be those who have need. There will always be orphans. And we are to even, as it uses the alien, or the, in this case, outside of the uh, realm of Israel, it would be any Gentile, that they could benefit from what? The labor. So in this case, even if you would say a farmer, he would benefit, his family would benefit, and he was to leave extra so that others could benefit from it as well. And if we were to go into Scripture, and I won't go into a lot of it, but I'll give you just two examples. Go with me to Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, of how God has gifted us in many different ways. And we see those skills today. But in Genesis chapter 4, interesting chapter. Um, I'll pick it up just in verse 22. You learn about a lot of different areas. Um, verse 21, you'd see something, but I'll go to verse 22. As for Zillah, she shall also give birth to, to Balkane, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron. And I'll just stop there. What is the point? There was somebody that's uh, identified, and by the way, music's identified in verse 21, and we benefit from that today because... Way back in Genesis, there were people that learned how to work with bronze. They learned how to work with iron and many of the things that are a result even today. It's always fascinating, is it not, to even go into uh, places like Plymouth Plantation or other places where you go and you like to do the tour and go around and look at different things, but oftentimes you're drawn over to the silversmith and how he works with metals and so on. People have been given those ability and many of the things that happen in a home we all benefit from. Go with me to Genesis 41 is another one I marked down. But Genesis 41. Genesis chapter 41 and verse 55. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. You're very familiar with this. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. And if you know the example of Joseph, who benefited? Obviously, Joseph did. His family was preserved because of his wisdom. And then what happened? Because he was a laborer, all of Egypt benefited. Pharaoh certainly benefited. He ended up getting all kinds of land and everything else because of the wisdom. And there again is a different type of talent where he was able to distribute grain and people were able to benefit from it. So again, work is a profitable thing. That's what we're saying. So we ought to look at it that way. <coughs> we should want to work because God's designed us that way. And we should see that there's going to be profit in it, not just in the way of dollar bills, though that is true. Our families will benefit, society will benefit. And another thing that I will say to you is it's profitable as a testimony for Christ. And I think that's important. Work is profitable for a testimony for Christ. When your neighbor sees that you're making a profession of faith, and it, you know, again, there's people that are retired. There's people that were in work and they lost their job. That happens. But if you've got neighbors or unsaved that you're witnessing to and they see that you're a lazy person and you just don't work and you don't want to work, that's not a good testimony. And we find out that in the New Testament, go with me to 1 Thessalonians again. Uh, I want you to go there and see a couple of New Testament verses. But in 1 Thessalonians, Paul himself 
was the example. In 1 Thessalonians, I'll go to uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 9. He says, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. So with the gospel of God, what do you find Paul did? Well, if you know a little bit about the books of Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, he said, look, I have every right more than anyone else to just take money from you. But he says, I don't. I want to be an example. I want to be an example of someone who diligently works and sets an example to you. So we need to do that in our families. We need to do that as a testimony for Christ. If you turn to 2 Thessalonians and you go to chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, see the same thing in verse 8. We already saw that in chapter 4 he said, you don't work, you don't eat. Well, that's fine. That was 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, verse 8, he says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But we labored in hardship. We kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. And he went out of his way. And sometimes, you know, we're living in a society, we're going to get there, living in a society when everybody wants to get, get, get from work and not give, give, give. We ought to be, as we're going to see, hard workers. And one other one I'll give you since we're in Thessalonians that I have here from that passage is in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, And to make it your aim to lead a quiet life and to attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Paul was very concerned. It's a very practical area. Work. And so it's not only going to benefit us. It's not only going to benefit our families. It's not only going to be a benefit to society. It will be a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ when you are a hard worker. And so I would encourage you to work because work is profitable and be a hard worker. One more for tonight that we'll get into. All right, what's the next one? The next one is uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. And I'll put it to you this way. And I think this does go right in to our society today. I'll call it this. Be thankful you got a job. Be thankful you have a job. You say, obviously. Really? Proverbs 14, verse 4. You'll pardon the way I'm going to use this. I will not use it out of context, but in verse 4 it says, Where no oxen are, the manger's clean. But much revenue comes by the strength of an ox. What's that saying? Yeah, you might have a clean manger, but you're not going to get much from it. Let the ox work. Why? We're living in a society, I believe, today that people complain more about their job than they are appreciative of the job they have. I don't care what level it is. Can I speak from some experience? Yes, I can. I did work for an international firm. I did travel. Now, that was many years ago. I understand that. But I did see, I saw, we, one of my clients is a professional ball team. 
uh, it was a baseball team. One of my clients back then when I was working was a, it was Technicolor. You know, to the young people, you know, it doesn't mean much to you, but back then when you had TV, you'd see in the background color by Technicolor. That was one of my clients. We had another client. By the way, I was just talking to my wife about this, how it happened out of a garage. One of my clients was Safety Box Toe. That doesn't mean much to you again, but do you know that they're the ones that manufacture all of the steel? That's all they do. The steel that gets put into the shoes and boots, into the army boots for steel toes. That's all they did. And so I've been in different types of environments to see it. And I can't remember any situation that I was in. Somebody wasn't complaining, no matter whether it was an executive job, no matter whether it was uh, working on a, a conveyor belt. I had a, a rug company up in Maine uh, that was one of the clients that I worked on. And you always had people complaining, rather than looking at it from the perspective of being thankful that you had a job. And what they get into is conditions. Look. This is what I meant by, pardon the way I'm going to use it. When you have ox working, guess what? It smells. The barn smells. The barn's a mess. And, and I'm talking about just because there's food there and just the animals themselves have an odor to it. And we have people that complain about conditions rather than being thankful for the job you have. Turn with me to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. In verse 10, if you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. You say, well, that, that's got nothing to do with it. Yes, it does. When things are, everything's fine. Every, today, conditions have to be high pay, few hours. High pay, many benefits, few hours. By the way, a lot of that's changing. A lot of the benefits are changing. Most recent one that I just read about right now, um, uh, again, is just changing the benefit program. Uh, so much is not only happening with insurance, but even vacations. The newest one now with vacations is the, uh, the concept of being able to carry anything over at all is changing. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of situations that are changing with benefits. Uh, but there's complaining and complaining that goes on. You gotta be thankful you got a job. I think we've lost the concept of being thankful I got a job that I can work and, and the idea of making my employer money, you should be grateful for that. What? Turn with me to Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy for a minute. New Testament. 1 Timothy. If you're working for somebody and because of your labor they're becoming a millionaire, you know what? You ought to rejoice in that. You say, well, no, I want more in my pocket. You got to be thankful you got a job. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me read it to you. Verse 1. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. We could stop right there. Let's be honest. I can tell you if you're a boss, and there are some in this room, you will have complaints. Nobody likes the boss. But we, as a Christian, are to put them worthy of honor. Why? Here's why. This is what we miss. So that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. 
If you're working for a supermarket, you're working for an engineer company, you're, you're working for a plane uh, organization, uh, airlines, you ought to be respectful toward that organization and those that are in authority because you have a job. Verse 2, those who have believers at this, their masses must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren. You shouldn't be jealous that they're making more money because you're working harder. And you shouldn't certainly, because especially because they're brethren, be disrespectful. God will hold you accountable. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ for that. We need to be careful. But must serve them, notice that, must serve them the more. Why? Because they're a believer. Because those who partake of the benefit are believers. In other words, if you have the privilege of working for a Christian employer, by the way, that's true here. I have that privilege. Who's the employer? You folks. I ought to be grateful for that. Anybody that works for the school, anybody that works for the church, we ought to be grateful and work all the harder and not complain. That's what it says. Teach and preach these principles. Look at verse 2. We're not done. Verse 3. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of the Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine confirming to godliness, conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. You've got somebody that's complaining all the time. They're a conceited individual. They don't understand anything, and they're unbiblical. And he goes further. But, he's more, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and that's what happens. Some of you young folks are working in, in supermarkets. You ought to be thankful you got a job. And if you've got a boss that's over you that's a difficult boss, it doesn't matter. And if you've got to work in some of the areas where you're working in the freezer and it's cold environment, be thankful you got a job. If you're working on a farm and on the farm you have to work with the animals and it stinks, be thankful you got a job. The work conditions aren't always, we are spoiled in the United States of America and have gotten away from that. And isn't it true? How many here have ever gone shopping? I should get every hand. Some store, someplace. Have you ever, or is it just me, have you ever gone into a store and you're a customer now and you feel that you're bothering them? I don't understand that. I'm helping them get money. I'm buying their product and it's like, they're either chewing gum or interested in something else, and it's like, why are you here? I'm here so you can work. And, and I'm buying this product so the, the store doesn't close. And yet they treat you like what? Like you're not their product. That has, by the way, can I give a little side trip for us as a church? You know that every time the Lord sends somebody in here, we should be looking at it that way? We ought to be thankful that somebody walked through the door. They ought to be treated like gold. I'm serious. You know, the routine that we go through about having the men come forward and putting that packet, you've heard me say this. That is, I want you to know that comes from my heart, that we want you as a new time, first-time visitor to realize you're special to us. 
Every one of you and everyone on Sunday morning should be treating that person who comes in the door that way. But you know what? Some, the reason I asked the store, sometimes that's the way. You're going, you're looking for a product, and you've got two people that are talking. They're not even waiting on you. How do you think visitors feel when they see you talking with all your friends? Not that you shouldn't have fellowship and ignoring somebody that's new that just walked in. It's important. We need to see it. And, it, and it's in the area of labor. We need to understand that we're not to despise our boss, even the bad ones. You say, oh, you had to say that. Yeah, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. What do we teach him? Be thankful you got a job. What if the conditions are terrible? So what? If you believe that God wants you to find a different job, pray about that and see what, but while you're working there, don't be complaining about the conditions, your boss or anything else. Why? Because you're serving God. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me get right to it because time's already gone away from me. Um, let's jump down to verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. That's, that speaks volumes to the Christian. Yes, sir, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Can you go do this? If you haven't done that, be honest. Your boss comes to you. I've done it. Your boss comes in and says, would you go do this? And you say, I don't like that. I don't like to do that stuff. Give me a better situation. You know? And, but what does it say? With all respect, be submissive. Now watch this. You don't want to read the rest of it, right? Not only to those who are good and gentle, but to those who are unreasonable. Are there bosses that are unreasonable? Yes. Actually, you know, the word here, though, so you understand it, it's really perverse. And I think that if you understand that, you understand the real work world today. Sometimes we're working in an environment and the boss is unsaved and the language on the boss and other things, and that's tough. But you've got to remember what we said this morning. Don't treat them as the enemy. You treat them as someone that needs to be one to Christ. And it says here, even the unreasonable ones, why? Look at verse 19. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience towards God... A person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, even if you're mistreated by your boss. When you just keep that to yourself and trust that to the Lord, if you're complaining to everybody else, you're just like anybody else. If you're complaining and not doing your work, you're lazy. But if you're doing your work as unto the Lord, you will be thankful you have a job and also be thankful for that boss, even if... And I've been in the situations, you've probably been in them. Maybe some of you that are sitting out there have been in them with me. And that may be true. But you ought to be praying for them and leading a life that is a testimony before God because you're serving him. So what are we saying? All, all the way back to what we saw in Proverbs, and I put it this way, we ought to be thankful that we have a job. And that should be starting as a young person, no matter what it is that you have to do. You ought to be thankful you got the opportunity to labor that way. You have the opportunity to work. There are a lot of people that don't like the work they're doing. Well, then you ought to pray about how the Lord would have you. But as long as you're there, even if you have a boss that's overbearing, even if you have someone that's unsaved and they're really perverse, you ought to be praying for them and you ought to see it. I'm not even to that passage yet. That's in the next area that we're going to get into, where how we ought to work on the job. 
In other words, not watching for the boss to see where he is. But we should be so trusted that when the boss isn't around, he's got total confidence that I am doing my job 100% of the time. You should have the confidence, as I'm standing in the pulpit, that during the week I am studying to prepare the material to present to you that I'm trying to do. And you know what? You expect that. Isn't that true? What would happen if I just came in a Sunday morning in the pulpit and I get up in the pulpit and I said, you know what? I don't feel like working this week, guys. Go home, have a good time. I didn't study. Do you think this church would be quiet about that? Nobody wants to say a word. Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. Then why do you think you could do that anyplace else either? If you get a job, you should be thankful. And whether the boss is around or not, that boss should have the confidence that this person, that person, is doing exactly what they should be doing. They're not sleeping someplace. They're not doing something they're not hired to do. But they're doing what they're hired to do. And they're doing it to serve the Lord. And that type of person will not only see the profit themselves, but will provide for their family, as we saw tonight, will provide for the benefit of society and have confidence, and actually, because of the testimony, may even shine as a light and draw that person to the Lord. We'll stop here. I've got a couple more areas I want to cover in Proverbs on work. Hopefully that's helpful and practical to us. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you that not only did you design us to work and expect us to work and give us the example of what it's like to work, but Father, you teach us that there's profit in it. We benefit from it, and we thank you for that. I thank you for each person in this room and the jobs that you provided, whether that be for a young person, simple thing like babysitting, or a simple thing like uh, doing chores of uh, even shoveling and earning funds that way, or a job, and, and, and the adults that are here, the, the provisions that you've given for us, and whether that be whatever it is that you've called us to. Help us to be grateful for the jobs. Help us to be serving you and see that it benefits our family. It's an opportunity to teach responsibility. It's an opportunity to teach values and help us to see that. And Lord, in situations where it is difficult to work for people, help us to see that we're laboring for you and that just might be the very trial that you've given us to test to see what we're made of. And that's where our strength needs to be seen. And that's where our testimony needs to shine. Help us, Lord, to treat our bosses with honor, to be a testimony there, and so that you get the honor and glory and that others be drawn to the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.